Our scripture reading this morning be from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street, or broad place, that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Matitha and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and uh, Messiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael, Machiah and Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Israel and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. <clears throat> and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I picked the verse with all the names just for you, Mark. It is good to be here, and we're thankful for the opportunity to be able to worship together. I know that we have several who are visiting with us today, and we want you to know that you're welcome and that we're glad that you are here. You know, the most important thing in our life is our relationship with God. And worship is an avenue through which true worshipers have the opportunity to draw nearer to God in praise and in adoration. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. Worship should be viewed as a privilege. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5 that Christians are the priests in the New Testament. And as New Testament priests, worship is our privilege to be able to offer up uh, spiritual sacrifices to our God. Worship is something that is commanded. Worship God is the uh, refrain of Revelation 19 and verse number 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 29, Give to the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship is a privilege, but worship is a command. And worship, uh, worship unto God is right because God is worthy. First Chronicles 16 and verse 25, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Revelation 4 and verse number 11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they were created. 
Worship is among life's most treasured and most beautiful moments and privileges. And it is for that reason that we all ought to seek to grow in and to mature in our worship to God. Now, as we think about what the New Testament teaches about worship, we recognize that the New Testament will identify for us five actions of worship. We have singing, we have praying, we have our partaking or our observing of the Lord's Supper, we have the offering or the giving of our means, and we have preaching from God's Word. Now, one of those actions of worship might be seen as not like the others, and that, of course, is preaching. Because, after all, preaching involves one man standing behind the pulpit and, and preaching or speaking from God's Word for a period of time. At least that's how we might view it from time to time. But I want to suggest to you this morning that that is not an accurate or biblical way of, of viewing preaching. You see, preaching is a vital part of our worship in which every single person has a role to play. Preaching is a vital part of our worship and every single person, not just the preacher, has a role to play in preaching as an action of worship. I want us to talk about that in some detail this morning. First of all, I want us to notice together that preaching is, as we said, a very important action, a very important part of our worship unto God. Consider these passages. Do you know that Acts chapter 13 and verse 15 reveals to us that the Jewish synagogue services in the time of the New Testament, that they included a period of reading from and giving an exhortation from the Word of God? Acts 13.15 says that that, uh, when Paul and his traveling companions were in the synagogue of Antioch and Pisidia, that the synagogue service included a portion of reading from the law and the prophets, and then the person overseeing the service asked if there was anyone who had a word of exhortation to be given. The Bible tells us that the letters that the Apostle Paul and others wrote that are found in our New Testaments... That when those letters were written by inspiration of the Spirit, their intention was to be read aloud when the church had gathered for worship. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 16. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13, the Apostle Paul commanded Timothy not to neglect the reading of Scripture. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 13, and the implication certainly is that that was to be done whenever the church had come together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we have a chapter in which the Apostle Paul deals with the various miraculous abilities that existed in the first century church. And Part, a large part, if not the main idea of the discussion there, has to do with the speaking in tongues has to do with with prophecy and with some other matters. And what I want you to notice is that in the first century context, when these, our brethren, were without a completed copy of God's Word, that those spiritual gifts had to do with the giving or the proclaiming of the Word of God. 
And if you'll write down in your notes or in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, you'll find at the end of that verse that there is a very important word, and that word is edification. Edification. You see, edification or edifying is a, a word that has to do with construction. It's a building metaphor. And it's talking about the building up or the strengthening of the body of Christ. And here's the connection. Those in the first century who had the ability to speak in tongues or to prophesy or to interpret tongues, all of those things had to do with the revealing or the proclaiming of God's will in the assembly of God's people for the purpose of the edification or the building up of God's people. Preaching is an important part of our worship because in preaching, God's word is proclaimed. Think about this. In prayer, we humbly and we submissively speak to our God. But in preaching, we humbly and submissively listen as God speaks to us. Worshiping God in hearing God's word proclaimed is an action in which we open our ears to hear, our mind to understand, and our heart to believe what God has said. The Bible tells us that God's word produces faith, Romans 10 and verse 17. That God's word helps us to mature spiritually, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. That God's word helps us even to prepare for the judgment day because we're going to be judged by God's word, John 12 and verse 48. God's word convicts our hearts, Acts 2 and verse 37, and God's word is that which molds us and shapes us into the people that God would have us to be, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18. Preaching is a vital part of our worship because when God's word is proclaimed, we have the opportunity to humbly and to submissively listen as God's will is relayed to us and we have the opportunity to listen and to apply those things to our lives so that we may grow and so that we may mature and so that we may better be fit for the master's service. Preaching is a vital part of our worship. But now I want us to notice together this morning that there are two roles that are played in preaching in worship. There is the role of the preacher, number one, but then there is the role of the hearer, number two. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles now to Nehemiah chapter 8. We didn't have Mark read all those names for nothing. Nehemiah chapter 8, and I want us to notice together Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 and following, because there are some principles here that are applicable for us today as it, as it pertains to preaching and our worship. Incidentally, we're working through a study of Nehemiah in the Word of Life Bible Study podcast, and so if you've not subscribed to that or you're not listening, I would encourage you to do so. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 and following, I want us to notice first that the preacher has a role. The preacher must, number one, proclaim God's Word. That is his primary task. He must proclaim the word of God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. And so Ezra the priest, notice this, he brought the law. 
He brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month, and then he read from it. He read from the law in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and all those who could hear and understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Notice the emphasis in Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 1 to 3 is on the law. The people demanded the law, Nehemiah, or Ezra rather, brought the law, and then Ezra read the law as the people heard and as they paid close attention to what was said. The preacher's primary obligation is to proclaim the word of God. The solemn charge to gospel preachers is found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. You know the passage well. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 11. And so what the preacher must recognize first and foremost is that he is God's spokesman. And his responsibility is to proclaim what God has commanded. Read Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 to 10. A gospel preacher has the responsibility of preaching God. Read Acts 17, verses 22 and following. As the Apostle Paul is gathered together in Athens with a great number of people, you will notice that as he begins his sermon, he, he begins by saying, I perceive in all things that you are very religious. Paul had noticed the amount of idolatry that existed throughout the city. He said, I noticed that you are so religious that I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. The implication being that they had, they had uh, built an altar or built an idol for a God that they may have accidentally overlooked. And then Paul said, that's the God that I want to proclaim to you today. A gospel preacher has the responsibility of preaching God and the things of God. He ought to preach the whole counsel of God. Acts chapter 20 and verse number 27. That means the things that encourage us and the things that challenge us. That means the things that we want to hear and the things that maybe we don't want to hear so much. That means the things that are easy to apply and the things that are not so easy to apply. The whole counsel of God. And he must preach the gospel because that's what saves. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. A gospel preacher's responsibility in proclaiming the word of God is to, number one, know God's word and to proclaim it. Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10, the Bible gives us this example. Of Ezra, who we're reading about, by the way, in Nehemiah chapter 8, Scripture says that he sought to seek first to seek the law of the Lord and then to do it and then to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. The preacher's obligation is to know God's word and then proclaim it. And his, pre his lessons should be scripture-filled and Christ-centered. Preachers have no authority whatsoever to proclaim opinions or popular philosophy or anything else. Their charge is to preach God's word. Number two, look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 6. In Nehemiah 8 and verse 6, the Bible says that Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered and said, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord and their, and they, uh, uh, with their faces to the ground. If you look close at the first section of the first phrase in Nehemiah 8 and verse 6, you will see the reaction of Ezra to the reading of the law of God. What is it? 
the Bible says that Ezra blessed the Lord. That, brothers and sisters, is a statement of reverence. The responsibility of the preacher is to revere, to respect, to hold high the word of God. The Bible tells us that, that it, the word of God is inspired, that it is the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. So when we think about preaching and when we think about the Bible and preaching the Bible, what we have to recognize is that the Bible is a message about God. It is a message about God that is from God, and so therefore it must be viewed with the highest, of, uh, highest reverence. Preachers are to have a high view of Scripture. What I mean by that is that they must acknowledge and that they must respect the fact that it is without question the inspired and the inerrant word of God. And I'll give you this, I'll give you this uh, a challenge See if you can tell the reverence that the preacher has by the, by the way that they speak about God's word and the way that they handle it. You see, preachers must honor God's word by the way that they speak about it and by the way that they handle it. And the way that the preacher views the word of God is going to be evident in the way that he preaches. If he doesn't view God's word as being all that important, and if he doesn't have a high view of Scripture, then probably he'll preach more with question marks than with periods. His sermons will be filled more with uh, illustrations and stories and opinions and everything else and less with Scripture. The way that the preacher views the Bible will be evident in the way that the preacher preaches the Bible. Keep that in mind as you evaluate preachers. Number three. Look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. Preachers have the obligation not just to preach God's word, but to explain it. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8 says, So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense, and they helped them to understand the reading. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says, Make it uh, God's charge, rather, to the prophet Habakkuk was to make it so plain that they which run may read it. I like Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, where the Bible says of Jesus that he expounded all things in the scripture concerning himself, meaning he explained to them, Here's what this means, and here's how it applies. You see, a preacher's job is to explain what God's word actually means. Not what people think it means, not what everyone says that it means, but to explain what God's word actually means and to show how God's word can be applied to their lives. And that follows nicely on the next point. Look at verse 10. Preachers have the obligation to explain, apply, and to exhort God's people to follow God's word. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the Bible says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and, the, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we'll read some other passages later, but just to set the context, what's going on here is that the people of God are, have come to the conclusion after hearing the word of God read before them, that they had not been following God's law in the way that God wanted it to be followed. 
And so therefore, they were pricked in the heart, they were sorrowful because of this, and Ezra and the scribes and everyone else, their job, as we see recorded in these passages, was to say, all right, we know what God's word says, we know what we need to do, now go and do it. Perform the doing of it, as Paul will say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You see, the preacher's job is to exhort God's people to apply God's word Again, that passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Colossians 1 and verse 28, Paul says, we warn every man. 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 11 and 12, you received it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. Notice they received it. The idea is that they welcomed it. Now, you know that this is not always an easy thing to do. Because sometimes the application is difficult to be heard. Sometimes the application hurts, but don't shoot the messenger. Because the job of the preacher is to take the message of God and, and uh, uh, preach it or proclaim it to the people of God in a way that that message can be understood and applied so that the people of God can be better fit for the service of God. That's the purpose. That's the job. That's the role of the preacher as it pertains to preaching and worship. Now look at... Look at our last point. Let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 1. We're looking at a worship context under the Old Testament. We're looking at the proclamation of God's word in this worship context from the Old Testament. We have the preacher's role, but we also have the hearer's role. Look at Nehemiah 8 and verse 1. Now all the people, again, we're reading, gathered together uh, as one man in, uh, in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And what did they do? They told Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses. Notice that this is not something that the Bible says Ezra was prompted to do on his own accord. You see, the, the hearer's responsibility is to demand that God's word is proclaimed. The hearer's responsibility is to demand that when the preacher steps behind the pulpit and he begins to speak, that he doesn't waste their time with uh, ideas and stories and everything else, but rather he preaches to them the word of God. Why is that? Because it's the word of God that produces spiritual growth. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. It is the word of God that provides nourishment and transforms us into the people that God would have us to be. We are going to be judged by God's word, John 12 and verse 48. And so what we're talking about this morning is not just a side matter. What we're talking about is a matter that is literally of eternal significance. And every time someone stands up to proclaim God's word, they are preaching about or doing things that are of eternal significance. And so it is absolutely within the right and responsibility of every hearer to demand that when the preacher preaches, that he preaches the word of God in its fullness. Number two, look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3. We read it a while ago, but we'll look at it again. Then he read from it, read from the law, that is, in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And listen to this. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. 
The hearer's responsibility, number two, according to Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 3, is to be attentive, to pay attention to God's law as it is proclaimed. Luke chapter 19, verse 48, the Bible says that all the people were very attentive to the preaching of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, the Bible says that the Thessalonian Christians welcome the word of God. Paying attention to the word of God is not always the easiest thing because we're easily distracted. We have our cell phones and we have our iPads and we have our grumbling stomachs. And of course, today's spring forward, so we're all dragging a little bit, or maybe that's just me. But we have to work as hard as we can, keeping in mind that preaching is an action of worship. Just like singing and praying and taking the Lord's Supper and giving require us to focus our attention and to give our best effort because we're offering a spiritual sacrifice unto God. So when God's word is proclaimed, we're, we're engaging in an action of worship and we ought to do our best to be able to pay attention and to listen and to allow God's word to go deep within our minds and to mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be. The word or the seed of the kingdom is the word of God. We ought to allow our hearts to be the kind of soil in which the seed can be planted. We have to pay attention. Look at the third Again, Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 6, just like the preacher has the responsibility to revere and to hold God's word in very high regard, so the hearer has the responsibility to revere and to hold God's word in high regard. We ought to, uh, we ought to respect it. We ought all to view the word of God as a God-breathed message. And so when the preacher preaches, it shouldn't be a mindset of, we're going to listen to more opinions and gripes from the preacher. No, it should be the mindset of, here is our opportunity to hear the word of God, which is our most treasured possession, expounded upon. And so therefore, we're thankful. And just like the preacher's regard for Scripture is seen in the way that he preaches it, so the hearer's regard for Scripture is seen in the way we apply it. What does it say about our respect to God and His Word if we listen to what God's Word says on Sunday morning, but we pay no attention and we make no effort to actually apply it and to allow it to do within us what it is, what it is intended to do? It doesn't speak well for our our reverence for our view of the word of God. Number next, look at Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9. The hearer has the responsibility to respond to God's word. Nehemiah 8 and verse 9 says that Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, they said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn and weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I want you to notice the response. I want you to notice the reaction. They heard the words of the law, it pricked their hearts, and they wept. We have the responsibility as hearers to respond. In Hebrews chapter 12, about verse 20 and following, the Hebrews writer recounts the occasion in which Moses had gone up into the mount to receive the law of God. And the Hebrews writer talks to us about the fear, the, the terror, the absolute terror, if you will, that existed within the people and even the fear of Moses himself because of the, the gravity of this event that is unfolding. 
But then the Hebrews writer makes this statement. He makes this comparison in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. After describing the old law, giving at Mount Sinai, he says, we've come to something better and describes the church. And then in Hebrews 12 verse 25, he says, see that you refuse not him who speaks. In other words, if God giving the old law to Moses on Mount Sinai was enough to cause fear and trembling among the people, how much more response and how much greater reverence and how much more in awe should we be on this side of the cross when we hear God speaking? When God's word is proclaimed, the preacher has the responsibility of of proclaiming it and, and showing the application. And we all as hearers have the responsibility to respond, to to make to, 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 to put forth some action to change our lives in whatever way is necessary. Finally, and related to this, of course, the hearer has the responsibility to apply God's word. Nehemiah 8 in verse number 12. The Bible says that all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Why did they go on their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice? Because they what? Because they understood. Again, the preacher has the responsibility to preach and show the application, but the hearer has the responsibility to receive, to respond, and to make the application. Philippians 2 and verse 12 says that we're all to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And what we all have to recognize is that it's not possible for one person to be able to know what's in the mind and the heart and the life of every person within the assembly. It is the responsibility of me as the listener to examine my heart, to examine my life, to listen to what God's word says as it's being proclaimed and ask myself questions like, am I doing that? How does this apply to me? How can this make me a better person? The hearers have the responsibility to put God's word into action. Brothers and sisters, preaching is a vital part of our worship. And the reason is because it is God's word, God's, uh, the God-breathed message from God, according to 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 and 17. And the psalmist will describe it in Psalm 119 as the greatest treasure in all the earth. When that word is proclaimed, it ought to, it ought to humble us. It ought to catch our attention. And we ought to worship God by giving our best effort to listen, to respond, to obey, to allow this word to work on our hearts as God has designed it to do. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. Preaching is an action of worship in which every person plays a role. This morning we're offering now the Lord's invitation. It may be that there's someone here who has a need to respond. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. The Bible says that God's will is for all people to become Christians. And the way that we do that is by hearing God's word. We talked about that this morning, Romans 10 and verse 17. Believing in the deity of Jesus, John 8 and verse 32. Repenting of our sins, Luke 13 and verse number 3. Confessing our faith, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Being immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2 and verse 38. And if we're willing to do that, then God will add us to the church, Acts 
chapter 2 and verse 47. This morning, are you a Christian? And as you think about your life, do you see some areas in which there's some improvement that can be made? Certainly that could be said for all of us. But maybe this morning you'd like for the church to pray for you, to give you some encouragement in some way. I want you to know that that we we would love the privilege of being able to do it. If you have any need at all, please come forward and let it be known as we stand and sing together.